Hey everyone, right now we are exploring the concept of Sabbath as a part of our series called Developing a Rule of Life, where over the next couple of years we're going to be looking at a number of different spiritual practices, um, considering uh, their rooting in Scripture and also how they factor into our everyday lives. And if you haven't had a chance yet, I hope that you will pick up this book called Sabbath by Dr. Dan Allender. Uh, This is our reading for this quarter, and I hope you will uh, start to dig into it a little bit and read through it. We're going to provide some opportunities for us to gather together and do some book clubby type things and discuss this a bit. Um, But if you haven't picked up one of these yet, please do. We have a ton of these at the church. Grab one, uh, add it to uh, your reading throughout the week, and uh, I hope it's helpful to you in some way. What we're doing in these weekly videos is we are developing what I'm calling a biblical theology of Sabbath. And what that means is we're kind of working through the biblical passages that relate to Sabbath, and we're kind of tracking the development of the Sabbath and um, the kind of the underlying implications of what it is, how it becomes a thing for the people of Israel in the Old Testament, and then what impact it has on the ministry of Jesus and the apostles, and then ultimately to today, its implications uh, in our lives as well. So what I want to do today is I actually want to go back to the text we looked at last week because it's a foundational text, Genesis 2. If you want to turn there in your copy of God's Word, uh, I want to dig into it a little bit more. And in particular, I want to explore the concept of rest. We're going to do a little bit of a word study today to help us hopefully understand a little bit better what the author of Genesis meant when he said that God rested from his work. You may have noticed that in our translation, the word Sabbath was not used. In fact, uh, you will probably not find that word in Genesis at all in any English translation, any mainstream English translation at least. Um, But the word rest was used. Uh, That was a part of our translation, and I think we have to be a little careful here, Um, and and that's why I want to do this word study, because we have to consider, well, what what does does the author of Genesis mean when he said that God rested? Like, does that just mean what we think it means, um, or does it mean something else? So we're going to look at a couple of Hebrew words today in just the next few minutes, not long, buckle up, um, and we're going to consider maybe the larger, like, Definition of what this is and how best we can understand what's actually going on on the seventh day of creation. So the word that gets used here for rest is the Hebrew word Shabbat. That's what gets translated as the word rest. And what's interesting about Shabbat, it sounds very familiar to us, right? But it doesn't get translated as Sabbath. It gets translated as rest, even though it can mean slightly different things, depending on the context of what's around it. But so Shabbat can, yes, mean to rest, but it can also very easily mean to cease. And that's an important thing for us to hold on to as we work through this today. Uh, Let's look at that passage again. Genesis 2, 1 through 2, thus the heavens and the earth were, what, finished, and all the host of them... And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Another translation says, and so the heavens and the earth were completed and all their heavenly lights. And by the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So here's my question. What are these verses emphasizing? 
It's really important when we're studying the Bible uh, to be on the lookout for things that are highlighted or emphasized or repeated. Typically, the biblical authors, if they're repeating something over and over again, it's because they want you to take notice. It's a way that they make things stand out or jump off the page uh, for us. So what's getting repeated here? Well, it's the word kalah, the Hebrew word kalah, which means to complete. Right? So God completes his work. Um, then he rests from his work that he has completed. Uh, the heavens and the earth were finished. He was done. So the emphasis here seems to be on the completion of the work. Now notice that nowhere does the author of Genesis say anything about the level of exertion that God had to engage in, or he doesn't insinuate that this was laborious or difficult for God, or that creating was hard or strenuous work for him in any way. Um, But that conflicts with the way that we use the word rest in today's world. Like, why would we rest? Well, we rest because we are tired or we are exhausted, or we have worked hard. However, that's not the only way that you can use the word rest. Uh, So for example, in music, if you're a musician, if you're reading a piece of music, a rest in a piece of music means that the musician stops playing. The musician ceases to play. Doesn't have anything to do with what has come before musically, even if what came before was very difficult or challenging or strenuous. A rest is simply the place in a piece of music where you stop, where you cease from what's been going on. And I actually think that's the best way for us to understand rest in the context of Genesis 2. God does not rest because he's tired. God doesn't rest because he's worn out from his work of creation. No, he rests because his work is done. He rests because his work is complete. Um, uh, Or in other words, he, he just stops working. And to that end, the word work is something we also have to be careful with. By God's work, the text simply means God's creative action. Uh, Work is not synonymous with toil or labor. Even though we might use it in that way, if we say, I worked hard, we mean I I labored at something. Um, But work is not synonymous with those things. God did not toil over creation. It was not hard or difficult for him. He was not tired. He didn't need to rest because he had labored hard. He rests because he's done. In fact, uh, we saw last week that toil for human beings really does not come into the picture until the curse in chapter 3 of Genesis. After the man and the woman sin, God levies a curse against them in which Part of it is that you will now have to toil. You will now have to labor to grow vegetables or to make bread or um, uh, any, any number of other things. Like work is going to be work. Work is going to be hard for you from here on out, which was not the case before the fall. Now, again, none of these words are translated as Sabbath in our translation, even the word Shabbat was not translated as Sabbath. And that's because the word that eventually gets translated as Sabbath um, is a slightly different word than the word Shabbat, even though it finds its root in the word Shabbat. It is a different word. Um, 
And, and it's, um, and that's because it's different from just the concept of ceasing or resting Sabbath. When it does finally come up, which is in uh, the book of Exodus, you don't find it all in Genesis. It's not until Exodus 23 that Sabbath pops up in our Bibles. When it does, it is a very specific thing. Um, It is a day of rest that the people of Israel are supposed to be setting aside from the rest of the week. It's not just the act of resting or the act of ceasing. Um, Also notice that in the beginning in Genesis, there is no set apart day of rest. Like God has set apart the seventh day and made it holy. But it doesn't seem to be the case initially that that is like one day of rest in a week of days of labor. Rather, the world itself, as God made it to be, was in a perpetual state of Sabbath. It was in a perpetual state of rest because the work of creation was complete and everything was as God intended for it to be. So it's not until the next chapter, Genesis 3, when God issues the curse I was talking about, that the need for Sabbath really arises. Because it isn't until that point that there's any level of separation between God and man. So, with those things in mind, here's something for us to consider about the Sabbath this week. Before we think about resting, Um, at least in the way we use that word, which also carries connotations of rejuvenation or renewal, like I'm resting so that I can be recharged or something like that. Let's first think about rest in terms of ceasing or stopping. Because if there's anything we take away from a biblical study of Sabbath, it's that Sabbath is about stopping your work. Uh, We'll see this as we get into Exodus uh, in the weeks to come. Um, And sometimes the hardest thing for us is not resting. It's not like being rejuvenated. It's actually like ceasing. Sometimes the hardest thing for us is just stopping working. Um, Or what what we'll do is we'll stop one form of work and we'll take up another form of work and we'll call that resting. Um, But God seems to be very concerned that just like he did on the seventh day of creation, that we also would stop, that we would cease, and that we would embrace that as a time to in some way be with him um, in the way that he originally made creation to be. If we can't cease our work on some level, we can't Sabbath. It's as simple as that. And we will see this in even more detail next week as we begin to unpack the story of Israel in Exodus. So let me stop there for today. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. I'll catch you next week and we'll continue our journey through the scripture, unpacking and exploring what this practice of Sabbath is all about. So we'll see you guys then.